Amen. Hey, again, so glad you guys are here today. Yeah, I love that song, Jaira. And actually, I did a sermon, either a sermon or a sermon series on Jaira, and we used that song in the video. I love where it said, though, you are enough, so I am enough. You are enough, so I am enough. We are enough because of the Lord Jesus Christ. And really, that song, in the nutshell, was what the whole message um, is about today. And it's really an powerful topic. It's one of those times, could I ask you to do something, maybe consider it? I know I'm not a note taker. I'm going to a conference uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I will not take one single note. Fortunately, Judy does. Um, so that's my redemption probably a little bit. Um, so I, I can't say you ought to take notes because I probably wouldn't do it. But I tell you what I would do. If I had a smart device, I would pull it out and open the YouVersion app. Hope you have that loaded. If not, see me after church. I'll tell you how to do it because I think it's the best discipleship tool out there there is. And uh, so, yeah, I would open the YouVersion app, and I'd go down to Moore, and I would go to events, and I'd go to Dorsville Baptist Church and open up. And you know what I'd find there? I would find every slide and every scripture and every quote in the entire message today. And then up in the right-hand corner, I would hit the word save. And that means that sermon's going to be there uh, until you lose your phone. And uh, that way you can go back in a week or two when you're thinking about this topic of contentment and you can go, what, what did the word say? What did this person say? What did Dwayne say that day? And again, those things will be there. That's what I would do. It's just me. But that's what I would do. You know, it's only a sermon and teaching and the Bible even is only as good as we're willing to hear it and apply it into our lives. Okay. So I was counting up and we're in week number four of our series. Next week is the um, last one, and it's on planning, so I hope you're planning on being here for the last message, all right? And then, like I said, then follows uh, our great youth Sunday, so we're looking forward to that. So today, though, we want to talk about satisfaction guaranteed. I bet you can tell, since you heard it over and over again in every song, you know, we're talking about contentment. And that may not seem like a huge topic, but that's why I said what I said about, you know, putting this thing in you version, because it's a big topic. It's a huge topic um, because, you know, the problem comes when we're not content, we're just not good Christ followers. When we are not content, we are just not good Christ followers. So we need to learn how to be content. Well, our series, as you know, is 24, uh, based on the year 24, but also 24 hours in a day. And we all know now, because you've heard two weeks at least, probably three, you've heard that how many minutes are in a day? That's right, 1,440 minutes. And if you start at midnight and God gives you all of them, that's how many you got. Richest guy in town gets 1,440, and the poorest guy in town gets 1,440. And God controls if we get them all or we get some of them, okay? But then we want to make the best of that. That's where Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16 comes in. See then that you walk carefully. You walk wisely, talking about living, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Redeeming time because the days are challenging. Um, the days are evil. So one of the best ways that we can redeem the time is learn how we can be content. Now, this is an interesting title because I know one thing for certain, it doesn't mean what it says. You know, I found out, you know, that whenever it says, you know, whenever it says satisfaction guaranteed, it really doesn't mean that. It, they just tell you that, okay, um, and, and hoping that you'll buy the product. But the bottom line is, there is nothing out there that can guarantee satisfaction except the Lord Jesus Christ. Church, church, can't, church can't guarantee satisfaction. You know, religion can't guarantee satisfaction. Uh, starting this and stopping that 
can't guarantee satisfaction. But with all my heart, I know and I believe that Jesus Christ can. So we're going to talk about today, satisfaction guaranteed, and the one way to that truth, nail it down, dig deep into it, is this word contentment. Contentment. Let's look at our starting point. So, one, contentment is not just more. And you know this. You, know, you just know this in your gut. Okay? You'll, you'll, you know, they'll tell you that if you have this one thing, you'll be content. And you tell yourself that if you just buy this, you'll be content. It's not true. It's not true. And that's why, that's why the prison that Max Lucado talked about is so full. Have you heard about the prison he wrote about? Oh, well, I'm going to tell you today. Actually, if you'll give me just a few minutes, I'd like to, to read this to you. I know it's a dangerous thing for a public speaker to, write, to read because you often lose people, but this is stinking good. Here's what, you know, Max is a great writer. Here's what he says. Come with me to the most populated prison in the world. The facility has more inmates than bunks, more prisoners than plates, and more residents than resources. Come with me to the world's most oppressive prison. Just ask the inmates. They will tell you they are overworked and underfed. Their walls are bare and their bunks are hard. No prison is so populated. No prison is so oppressive. And what's more, no prison is so permanent. Most inmates never leave. They never escape. They never get released. They serve a life sentence in this overcrowded under provision facility. And what is the prison? The prison of want. W A N T. Want. The prison of want. You know, you've seen our prisoners. They are in want. Um, they want something. They want something bigger. They want something nicer. They want something faster. They want something thinner. They want. They don't want much, mind you. They want just one thing one new job. One new car, one new house, one new spouse. They don't want much. They want just one. And when they have one, they will be happy. And they are right. They will be happy. When they have one, they will leave the prison. But then it happens. The new car smell leaves. The new job gets old. The neighbors buy a bigger television set. The new spouse has bad breath and talents. The sizzle fizzles. And before you know it, another ex-con breaks parole and returns to the prison. Doesn't that sound, isn't that a great way of putting it? Doesn't that sound, it's just, it just rings with truth. We all have this want, this innate desire in our lives. And we honestly think, you know what? If I just had more then I would be satisfied. If I just had more, I would be content. I like what Charles Spurgeon, and by the way, I know you probably know who Charles Spurgeon is, but he's an old dead preacher. That's all you need to know, okay? He lived a long time ago. But Charles Spurgeon said, if you are not content with what you have, and a lot in this room are not, a lot on Facebook are not, a lot on the radio are not, if you're not content with what you have, you would not be satisfied if it were doubled. That's just truth. That's just truth. Contentment is a state of peaceful happiness. You know, I was sitting there, I think it was last night. It may have been early this morning. I was studying, doing last-minute prep 
And I thought about that definition of biblical joy. You remember it? I mean, I, you know, when I'm dead and gone at my funeral, I hope you all say, well, if I learned nothing else from Dwayne, I learned the definition of biblical joy. You know, God gave it to us about maybe five or six years ago. It goes like this. Biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being based on my faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. Can I do it one more time? Biblical, uh, biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being based on my faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. Well, I was sitting there studying, and I read that sentence, which, by the way, I wrote, you know, that sentence, you know, contentment is a state of peaceful happiness. And I had this epiphany, oh my goodness, you can change the word, and it works. See, biblical contentment is a deep sense of well-being. What we're looking for, what you're looking for, what I'm looking for, a deep sense of well-being based on not Walmart, not Marion Ford, not some real estate agent here in town, not that, based on our faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. The source and the place of contentment is Jesus Christ. Biblical contentment is a deep sense of well-being based on our faith in God and trust in His sovereign will. After all, he said, and I think Spurgeon said this too, by the way. After all, if birds sing on a bare limb, why can't we? If birds find a reason, mm, so good. If birds find a reason to sing out in the cold on a bare limb, why can't we? Now, we understand why the world doesn't, because they don't get this whole contentment thing. That's what drives our economy. That's why the stock market is hitting new highs. It's driven by the fact people are looking for contentment and they can't find it. And they're just sure if they spend enough, they will. And they won't. We need to take a lesson from the birds. The birds realize that you can't buy contentment down at Walmart or Rule King. The birds realize that it comes from the Creator. And that's why they can sing on that bare limb. And I, again, I understand the world not getting that, but don't you think we should? The, the people that experience this, the, the, the people who know the story of Christmas, the people who know the story of Easter, you know, the, the whole slaughtered on a cross, resurrected the third day, or yeah, the third day thing, the whole I'm coming back to get you thing. Yeah. Yeah, we should be able to sing on a bare limb. And today I hope that I can teach you a little bit and you'll get something from the Word of God about how can we have this elusive thing called contentment. I do want you to know this, that, you know, that contentment is a choice and contentment always chooses the one over the many. I'll explain in just a moment. Let's look at Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 11. Now, Paul is writing. Now, now here's what you, you probably know this, but in case you don't, okay? Um, Philippians was written to a church in Philippi, okay? And here's what's really crazy. The guy who's writing it is Paul, and Paul is in prison. He's in jail. Now, how about this? It just came to me. Paul's not in the prison of want. He's in the prison of Jesus, okay? He is in prison for the fact that he is a Christ follower, okay? 
So the theme of Philippians, written by the guy who's in prison to the people. Oh, and by the way, guess what? He's writing to the church at Philippi. And when he was at Philippi, they nearly killed him and beat him to death. It's that close. In fact, they thought he was dead. Okay? So that guy, that guy is saying this. Hey, I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I have learned to be content with whatever I have. So, so Paul's saying, one, I learned. He's understanding that contentment is not like a spiritual gift. You know, you know we get a lot of cool stuff when we get saved, okay? But this is one of those things, you go, you've got to roll in the school of God's contentment, okay? It's, it's usually not a like that thing. It's like a marathon thing. It's something we learn as we go through life. And may I be honest and tell you this? It's really difficult in Western culture. I mean, you go to Africa where they're glad to wake up and have a glass of water and some millet to eat. You know, they don't wrestle with this this contentment thing as much as we do. We live in the land of plenty. We live in the land of plenty. And so that really spurs on discontentment because we always want a little bit more. So it's a learned process. In fact, I said this, I think it makes sense, you know. So, So contentment is a lifelong learning process, a lifelong, and may I say lifestyle? Learning is a lifelong lifestyle. We are constantly in the learning mode, and one of the things we learn is this thing called contentment. And, and he, he said, I've learned to be content with whatever I got. And we're going to hear over, and I won't say too much because it's in the rest of the scriptures. You know, he gets on this rampage about, yeah, I'm just happy with what I got, and that's what he says. So, so what's our teaching point say? Well, what I just told you, Paul says that contentment is a learned affair. Write that down. It's a learned affair. Don't be discouraged because you know, you, you know right now you're not content. You know right now you're not. There's something you just know if you had it that you would be content. Okay? So, so don't be discouraged with that. It's a learned affair. Our natural, and here's the problem, you know, when we're saved, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, old things pass away, all things become new. It'd be really cool, you know, if we lost all the um, inclinations of the old flesh, but the truth is they don't just disappear, okay? It just doesn't, okay? So we wrestle with this. So our natural inclination, our natural leaning is more. More, more the wrong thing, to be honest, okay? Our natural inclination is, in the words of John D. Rockefeller, just one dollar more. We believe this. If I just had this, I could be happy. If I just had this, I could be content. If, if I just had another of those, I would be content. And the truth is, that simply is not the truth. Okay, it's just not true. Our teaching point also says this. Contentment, now this is... This is important. Contentment is not found by adding but subtracting. Contentment is not found by adding but subtracting. I'll talk about that in just a moment, okay? Simply adding more won't bring contentment. You realize what I know. Sometimes more is just more. I'm the guy that if I've got a headache and two ibuprofens work, I am certain three would do better. If, if, I, if I have a piece of pecan pie, and I do hope somebody will bring one to business meeting next week, if I've got a pecan pie and it's got a scoop, I am certain two scoops would do better. 
I'm just sure of it. I, I, I need to write raisin brand people because they put you know, two scoops. I need to tell them, you need to try three. You need to try three. So, so the bottom line is, okay, so adding doesn't bring contentment. Now, you need to write that down because you're convinced it does. If you just add something to your life. Now, I'm talking to Jesus followers. You're just certain if you keep adding to your life, you're going to be happy. You know, you know what? If you keep adding to your life, you know what you're going to gain? A storage unit. A storage unit. Okay? Here's the deal. Here's what you do. Go back to that sentence. Contentment is not found by adding but subtracting. Dwayne, what does that mean? Okay, here we go. Start by subtracting from your wants until you find you are satisfied with what Christ brings. The trail, the journey, the learning process for contentment begins by taking away, not adding. Let me encourage you to do this. Find out the things that you believe will bring you contentment. And start, I was going to try, Judy, I was going to try to bring in Dave Ramsey's debt snowball. I was just sure I would tie that in somehow. You know, Ramsey teaches you start with your smallest debt, pay that off, and you get the next largest, the next largest. And I'm sure there's a tie in there somewhere. Y'all can figure that part out. But what we need to do is start looking at our lives. What is it in your life, okay, that you believe brings you contentment? That's where you need to start. Because, see, everything, everything that you, every, what's the key word there? Every thing. Say it with me. Thing. Every thing that we believe will bring us contentment is either an, is, no, not either, it's an idol or a God in your life. Because remember, what's our one source of commitment? Yes, Jesus Christ. So when we're looking for commitment in something else, it becomes an idol or a God. So we need to be honest, okay, and take a look and say, God, I want you to show me the things in my life that I believe will or would bring me contentment and start there. And then when you're, by the grace of God, you're able to say, okay, I know, I understand. And it may be getting rid of, it may be stored, I don't know. But, but all of a sudden you realize, okay, that one's gone. Then you move to the next one, and the next one, and the next one. Until you finally get this wonderful place where you understand you are satisfied with not Walmart, not Ford, not, not where your address is in town, not the labels you wear, not your popularity in school, you know, I'm the captain of this or the captain of that. When you are satisfied with what Christ brings, you found contentment. And guess what? That is satisfaction guaranteed. I mean this. I mean this. When we can, when we can reach a point where... Now, and by the way, is there anything wrong with things? Well, no. I'm glad to report to you in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Paul wrote and said, God gives us all things. Somebody say, all things. Yeah, God gives us all things to richly enjoy. There's nothing wrong with things unless, you know, you worship them. There's nothing wrong with things unless instead of you owning them, they own you. That's when we get in trouble, okay? So we're going to start this elimination. We're going to start subtracting things that we know I am looking at. Guys, are you listening? I'm looking to this thing, okay, to bring me contentment. All right? Now, it's not everything, but whatever it is that you think brings you contentment. And start eliminating those, and you're going to end up finally at a point where you find out only Jesus can truly bring uh, the satisfaction. And that's where you want to be. It, it, it happens. There's a couple, a missionary couple, that I have not seen in probably 18 years, probably, maybe a little bit more than that. I met them in Africa, 
And their, their pseudo name, their not real name, the name they use publicly is Mark and Meredith. And they live somewhere in West, or excuse me, in Northern Africa in a very difficult place. And I get their email, and guys, can I be candid with you? I know some missionaries, I get an email, could you please pray that our air conditioning could get fixed? It's hot. These aren't these kind of missionaries. I may get an email every once in a while that says, we've been without water for three weeks. Our electricity's been off for two weeks. I went to the grocery store today, and I could not buy essentials, not snicker bars, essentials. He talk, we hear stories about illness, and they can't get medicine. I, I'm telling you, I don't know exactly where these people are, but it is one word for it, and it is hard. And, can I be candid with you? I can't remember a time he wrote and told me, not just me, told his, his uh, prayer list that, oh, by the way, we had a person saved today. They're in a very difficult place. And yet, they stay. They stay. And they stay without complaint. How do you do that? They got three kids. How do you do that? Satisfied with what Christ brings. That's how you do that. That's how it happens. That's how. Now, now, every missionary I know of says, don't ever lift us up. I understand that. You know, I get that. But the bottom line is Mark and Merritt are incredible because they simply stay in a difficult place and serve God. It's crazy. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, you know, he said, you know, and this is the great Sermon on the Mount, you know, blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Hunger and thirst for what? For righteousness, for right living, for the right things of God. You know, bless those who hunger and thirst, for they shall be what? Satisfied. Jesus is saying exactly what Paul said. He said, listen, if you really want to be happy in life, you've got to be hungry and thirsty. Not for the things of the world. Not for your contentment list. If I had this or I've got this, you know, I'm looking to this for contentment. What? Not that list. Hunger and thirst for righteousness. And then Jesus makes this incredible statement. And, you know, Jesus is not a liar. He said, if you do that, you're going to be satisfied. There's also a woman named Judy. Some of y'all know her. And she's been on the mission field for 20 years or so. Single woman. Incredible lady. Incredible lady. Love serving with her. So she came home back before Christmas. Her mom had been sick for quite a while, and uh, so finally it was very serious, and so she came home. She got to see her mom for a week or two, and then her mom died, and uh, they had a celebration of life service, and you know what Judy did? She said, you know, I need to stay home now because my mom died, and well, I've served long enough. Nope. She gets back on a plane. And she flies back to her place of service. She lands on one day and the very next day. Lands on one day. Y'all know what jet lag is? Yeah. It's crazy. It's kind of like having the flu. So, so you get, she lands in, you know, one day and the very next day gets on a small puddle jumper airplane and flies two or three hours. And then the next day gets in a truck and drives up into the mountains for six hours, seven hours, eight hours. And then she goes and tells, she tells people 
how to tell Bible stories so they can learn about Jesus. Why in the world would a single woman give up 20 years plus of her life and do that kind of crazy stuff? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And let me tell you something. Judy is satisfied. So I'm not saying you need to go to Africa. I'm just saying we need to evaluate our priorities and make sure those things, those things don't become idols and gods in our life. And we seek those things for the... Woo, I'm fixing to shout. Those things that only Jesus can bring. You're wasting a lot of money. You're wasting a lot of time. Jesus brings what you're looking for. And he's free. He's free. So as Jesus followers, you know, we need and should do this. Well, Paul moves on to verse number 12 and says this, you know, I know, he's, he said, I'm learning. But then he says, I know how to live on almost nothing and yet with everything. He said, you know, now keep in mind, to him, everything means like bread and water to eat, you know, and the nothing means there's no food that day. Paul didn't have a good plush life, okay? But he says, I know, I know how to do this. And we're going to learn how he knows how to do that in just a minute. But before we get there, I want to share with you this great verse in 2 Corinthians 12.10. Because, you know, you know if, if, again, if we're promised a pretty good life with contentment with Jesus, okay, I get that. But this verse doesn't show a really good life. Now, let me give you a little bit of the story. Um, so, so God, um, Paul had a really special experience and kind of like went up to heaven and got to see what heaven was like and came back down. And God knew there might be a propensity, a tendency to be proud about that. So God gives him a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what it is. It could have been bad eyes. Um, could have been any number of uh, physical things. And so Paul calls up God. You know, we do it a lot. You know, we have a prayer chain. We call up God, and God, and, you know, he tells God, Hey, God, I want you to remove this. I want you to heal me. And God said, Well, of course. You're one of my favorite people. I'll be glad to remove that for you. Is that what he said? And let me tell you what he said. No. God ever tell you no? Ever get puffy about it? Well, Paul thought maybe God didn't hear him correctly, and so he prays a second time. And guess what God said that time? Yeah, he said no. Well, he tries one more time. Three's the charm, right? So he prays to God, would you take this away from me? And God said no. Now, now here's what God said, the, the brief version. He said, Paul, you need to understand something. Now, you need to write this down. Because when God's told you no, and, and you, don't, you don't feel the contentment you're looking for, and you're just sure if you bought something else, you'd feel contentment. Here's what God said. Paul, my grace is enough for you. More than being healed, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, look at me. You need to hear that today. God's answer to you is not going to necessarily be all the things you think would make you content and happy. It just might be, my grace is sufficient for you. And then God said, my power, my strength is made perfect when you're weak. What? 
Yeah, yeah, God says, yeah, yeah. My strength works best when you're weakest. What? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is when what verse 10 says. After that, Paul says, oh, okay, all right. So for the sake of Christ, then, here's our key words. I am what? I am what? Read it off the screen. I am content. Okay, oh, okay. So, you know, vacation in Florida, new car, new... No! He says, okay, if that's the case, God, if that's the case, I am content with weakness. I'm content with insults. I'm content with hardships, persecutions, calamities, craziness. And here's what Paul... Remember, he's in school of learning, remember? Okay, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Oh, you write this down. So, so if you're going to be happy, it's got to be Jesus. And then when you have Jesus, then you understand his grace is enough. And when you understand grace is enough, you're willing to pray praise, crazy prayers like that. Not, not prayers about, God, if you give me this. There, there was a great line in the song, I can't remember, but our, one of our songs today. You know, I'm not seeking, I'm not seeking the blessing, God. I'm seeking the blesser. I'm seeking after you. So what's our teaching point? Well, this is good. When we have nothing left but God. You ever been there? My sister's still dying of pancreatic cancer. We don't know how long she's got. Maybe weeks, maybe months. But there's not a cure. The only cure is God and it's up to him on that one. But she, I talked to her three days in a row. I just was so impressed by her faith. And, um, you know, basically this is what she said. You know, Dwayne, all I got is God. And guess what? It's enough. She don't want to leave her husband. She don't want to leave her girls, her grandchildren. But she's willing to lay all that down and trust God. And you don't just... We don't know, you know, we don't discover that God is enough until God is all you got. Listen to what Wearsby said. You and I cannot change or control the world around us. If you depend on, if you're counting on things to make you happy, you don't get to call that sometimes. You don't. But look at this. But we can change and control the world within us. I uh, had the privilege of officiating at DeAndre's funeral yesterday. Yeah, it was hard, by the way, in case you're wondering. I found this incredible poem, and I don't use poems at services, but I did this one. But the poem answered the question, we have two choices. You know, we can, we can be sad and, and hardened by the fact that he left us, or we can be glad that we had a time to know him. And that's, and that's kind of this. You, you can't control the world outside, but you can control the world inside. Inside. So how are you going to handle it when your neighbor gets all that you want and you don't get it? Well, if your contentment's in Jesus, you're going to be okay. If not, you're going to be bitter. You're going to be angry. You're going to be mad. Probably at them and God. Probably at them and God. So we're to be with so truthfully right. We cannot change the world or control the world around us, but we can change and control the world within us.
All right, so he gets down to verse number 12, okay? And here's what he says. I have learned, there we go. Remember, he's in the school of learning, contentment, because it's not a spiritual gift. You learn it over time. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether that means with a full stomach or empty, whether plenty or little. He said, I've learned the secret. I know what it's all about. I've got the answer to this one. And you've got to be going like, what is the answer? Okay, Paul, tell us. He does. He does. It's one of your favorite verses. When I did a sermon series a long time ago about favorite verses, this one made the list several times. It's one that most of you at least will have some semblance of what it says. What does it say? Well, let's look. Go and throw the teaching point up there. There we go. The secret is not more or less. Paul knew that. It's not whether you have, because he said, I could be happy with more or less. Okay, so it's not more or less. The secret is Philippians 4.13. Recognize it? For I, this translation, I'm, I'm an old King James guy. For I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the thing, you know, I'll read that one. For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me, who gives me strength. That's the secret. And see, see, that's what I say. This verse is one of those ones that's pulled so far out of context. What this verse is saying, and, and the context is, you, you want to be content? You want to quit relying on things to make you happy? You, 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 want, you want to quit buying your contentment at Walmart and paying for it for the next 36 months? Oh, cool. Okay. It's Jesus. I can do all things, including being content. Through Christ, who gives me strength. How about that? Isn't that cool? This Jesus, listen, this Jesus we talk about on the cross and resurrection, you know, Easter, all those things, that Jesus, he's bigger than you think. He don't have a answer. He is the answer. And he can bring that peace you're looking for in your life. Remember 2023, the bad decisions you made? You're still paying for them? $300 a month, $700 a month. Many of the poor decisions you made, you almost destroyed your marriage. You broke broke relationship with your kids. You remember those decisions? Well, God says, I've got a better idea for 2024. I'm it. I'm the answer. I am contentment. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Our last teaching point slash scripture is Hebrews 13, 5. It says, Jesus is speaking these words, be content with what you got. Be content with what you got. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be content with what you got because Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Things will fail. Store-bought contentment will fail. Your comfort of your bank account will fail. But he will not. I will never leave you. I never will forsake you. He is enough. Let's close with a little bit more of Max Licato's story. So he asked the question, are you in prison? You are if you feel better when you have more and worse when you have less. You, you are, if joy is one delivery away, think Amazon, one transfer away, one award away, or one makeover away. If your happiness comes from something you deposit, drive, drink, or digest, then face it, 
You are in the prison of want. So what will you do to gain contentment? Well, there's a lot of places I could take us right now, and we're done, by the way, in case you're wondering. Um, but we'll just go to, to Psalm 23, verse number 1. David wrote it. Young David, probably. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And we make that command decision to let Jesus be our contentment. Let Jesus be our, our shepherd. We don't have to want anymore. Now listen, the whole point of this series is to change 24, right? This is the game changer. Knew it or not, know it or not, knew it or not, this is probably something you've been looking for. And you're convinced, I know you're convinced, I know, Dwayne, but, no, there is no but on this one. The truth is, Jesus is the answer. Not, not church. See, the problem is, y'all come here and, and you sit and you do the worship thing and stuff and you think, that's Jesus. It's not Jesus. Jesus is a relationship. Jesus is a personality. He's, he's our Savior. And He's the answer. To our discontentment. This isn't. Glad you come. And y'all need to come. Because you're going to learn. Hopefully. But Jesus is the answer. Religion's not. Religion's not. Jesus is the answer. So we always close our service. With an opportunity to do something. And uh, I'm going to ask my friend Brent. To come on down. And stand in front. He'll be here. And we have the altar's open today. You know. If, if you need to come and pray about something. Um, you can do that. You should do that, okay? And you want somebody to pray with you? We got that too. We got that covered. If you got something particular on your mind and you want to share it with Brent, do that too. But I really pray and I really hope um, that you apply what you heard today, that your contentment doesn't come in Walmart or Amazon or eBay. Your contentment comes from Jesus, from Jesus. Now, I got good news for you. You say, what is that, Dwayne? You, know, you didn't believe me when I said about the events thing. And so you didn't go and mash the button. Guess what? You can do it anytime for the next five days. It'll be there. If you get up tomorrow morning and have a quiet time and say, God, I wish I could remember what, what that verse said, you can still open your phone up and go to events. It'll still be there. And that save button will still be there. And you can save it. And then it'll be on your phone until it dies. Some great truth that will help you find contentment in your life today. Let's pray. Well, God, just thank you very much. Just thank you for allowing me the privilege of sharing um, today about these great truths. Jesus, help us to understand and know that you are our commitment and you are our contentment in life. Our commitment to you will determine our contentment in you. So, Father, help us today. If there's someone here today who's never trusted you, oh, let today be the day they would come down and talk to Brent about making that commitment. And, Father, the rest of us who already know you, if we're wrestling with discontentment in our lives, we're just not satisfied. May today be the day we make that commitment to commit our lives fresh and anew to you and you alone. Give us the courage to subtract and give us the courage to add. Subtract what we worship. Add the things that you bring to us from your word. Do your sweet work in our lives. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.